This is where we always have our problem, though, because if Cause you we were eating. on a deserted island and there was no food or vegetation, and I willingly said I offer myself up to the group so you guys can survive, would you break vegan and eat me? No, but not because it's a, a vegan or non-vegan issue. It's because you're gross. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you're sticky and covered in mud and you got like twigs and shit in your hair and beard and you're like, eat me. Thank you for coming to my horrible dinner party. I'm the robot version of Matt Mendoza, and this is the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm here with Anthony and Anna today, and I have never started this before, and I'm starting to peter out, and it's freaking me out. <laughs> Anthony, take over. <laughs> I was really hoping that you would give us the name of the film we're watching. Couldn't remember. Only you know its true name. <laughs> I won't. I don't want to say it. It's embarrassing. No, it's not. Well, I. I came into this expecting it to be kind of lame when I first... Uh, what did we see where we saw the trailer for this? Midsummer. So we saw Midsummer, <laughs> <laughs> And we saw the, tra- the trailer... Swapped expectations. For, for this movie. And I was like, this is going to be fucking lame. Scary stories to peep your pamps to. And uh, it was much better than I expected it to be. It was still very cheesy. That was but... the highlight of us seeing Midsummer. to be honest. Was that I... text? I came in ex- expecting Goosebumps, and it was... Goose, Goosebumps Plus, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I really liked Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I wish the, it The book series or the... Both. I like the book series. I like the movie. Okay. Um, I think they did a really good job with it. And um, I just, I wish it weren't Goosebumps. Because, like you just said, it's Goosebumps Plus. I've seen this exact movie three times in the last three years goosebumps goosebumps 2 and scary stories to tell in the dark oh i was gonna say what's the third one i didn't see goosebumps 2 i it's told really you very good it's it's really yeah it's 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 all like halloweeny and cute it it's sort of like it's it's one of those films like halloween town like they're really oh. childish but you want to watch it every year because it just gets you in the mood for halloween okay. well that, that's what i wanted out of this one i wanted to like it to be like a a tradition film like oh we'll watch it every year I almost wanted it to be trick or treat esque. Well, that's no. the and vibe that I got. Yeah, from it, though. All right, but that's well. what I mean. That's what I wanted it to be, and that's what it was. And then why are you disappointed? It, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> I, I've never once said I was disappointed, and you guys were fighting me on it last night. I, was like, were... I didn't say I was disappointed. I was saying I was just disappointed. I've been this trying one to pick up on social cues, thing. and I was like, all right, she's looking down and scratching her arm. She's dejected. She's I'm sad. British. <laughs> <laughs> she's dejected. I'm British. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. But no, I I like the fact that it was, like, tr- trick-or-treat-esque. Um, and I almost preferred that they did it in the style of Goosebumps as opposed to the style of Creepshow. Like, I'm glad that they didn't break it up into separate stories, that yes. they had an overarching story that just turned the stories within it into, like, stealth vignettes rather than trying to make them all really separate. Yeah, I, I love that format. I, it's something that... Uh, do you guys have examples of like other stuff that does this? This is like... Trick or treat. Yeah. I, I know. Fuck I'm going to drag you to watch this. It <laughs> is one of the best films Every ever time made. we record one of these, we get closer and closer to October, and I might just fucking wait. 
<laughs> and so, like, October 1st, I'll be sitting here with my jammy jams on, popcorn in hand, ready to watch Trick or Treat. <laughs> or maybe I'll wait for you to come back. Yeah. We'll watch it together. I'll be here on the 7th, so just wait a week after. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I now I'm even more excited for Trick or Treat, because I, I like anthologies, because I like short and sweet like uh, I talk every episode I'm like I wish it was more concise about every single movie that I, I talk about but um so like if if they're done well as an anthology and uh, like each uh piece carries its own weight that is uh preferable to me than I think like certain you know feature length films absolutely and this less where you can go wrong there's a bunch of stories to keep you entertained, so if you're not really feeling one, you know another one's coming. Yeah, exactly, like where they can pick up the slack from one another, and this, where they're kind of like seamlessly weaved into the story, not seamlessly, it's a little choppy from here, and I like the, but I like the, the gimmick of um, the, the overarching plot. I love the the whole premise of like her having the book and she's writing the stories as she goes in, in her blood, and it is just like... I, I like anthologies, and this is definitely up there for me in the way that it is presented to us. I, I thought it was done very well. Yeah, it was done really well, and it was shot beautifully. It's It has Halloween classic written all over it, from its muted autumn colors to the timeless tone of, sure, it's set in 1969. 66. 66? I think so. No, it was um, Wait, when did 1978. Nixon get... Okay, okay, it's definitely in the 60s. It was the year that, that Nixon, Nixon, got, Nixon elected. got elected, and it's also the year that the Vietnam War ended. Yes. Because I thought that was, like, I actually thought it was really cool that in the overarching story, they included real-life horrors like the Vietnam War. Yeah, that War. is the scariest story like, to tell in the yeah. dark. And then at the end when he gets drafted, but Nixon's just been elected president, like, it's it was kind of nice because it was like the war ended yeah. later that year, so he would have come back. That's the trick, dodge the draft just long enough. Yeah. Like, I'm here to do my service. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you said 78, I was like, I don't think so. No, I went into Halloween mode. Yeah, when did the Scary Stories books come out? 81 was the first one. Okay. So I wonder why they said it in that time. It's Are we just, supposed to believe that she grows up and tells and writes these books? I think so, because uh, it, it ends with her... Like she, there's this like running plot of like she is a writer and everybody is like write more write more and uh, at the end it, it is now like her duty to tell uh, Sarah Sarah's Bellows's story. story and so I think that it's implied like going forward in the inevitable sequel potentially um, that she will inevitably have to write some sort of story in, in one way or another and yeah. She essentially sets off to go and collect more stories right. to figure out how to remedy what happened in this film. So it definitely sets itself up for a sequel. Now, I'm super conflicted because, one, I don't want any more sequels of this. It was nice and concise. And, you know, they picked some really good classic stories from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and they picked them from books one, two, and three. So it's not how many like... Are three. Then, oh, you were saying that they picked them from throughout the series. Throughout all three books. I was like, there's okay. like a story I had to use the first each. three and also the last three. That uh, makes sense. Um, so, like, that does open the way for if we do get a sequel, it'll be 
another amalgamation of stories from all three but by the same token like adding any more to this you run the risk of like yes i really like goosebumps too but it doesn't hold up to goosebumps one you could tell that there's more kitsch factor involved and we're losing some of the heart well this was very uh i guess sort of kitschy for me um it's it's a very interesting like transitional film where it's um for i think kids going into the horror genre for the first time uh it is very very trope heavy and i think to like if the intent was get it out of the way for these kids that are trying to bridge the gap into adulthood and adult-oriented horror, it's like, okay, you have, you know, shitty douchebag jock, you have a dorky group of friends, uh, one of which is in love with other friend's sister. And I, when they were going through and it was the three of them, I was like, oh boy, when are we going to get fourth friend? And then Ramon rolls up and I was like, all right, cool, there we are. <laughs> I really did appreciate that, especially with the dynamic of how the scary stories are told. They're all urban legends that Alvin Schwartz collected just vocally. He collected them from people telling the like stories of their hometowns and stuff, and then he's just the one that wrote them down. So like these are all things that were told at campfires. They've been told for you know decades before then, um, and. So they are the tropes that pave the way for what we've come to know as the general tropes of horror. Yes, I think that it's it's great to to do that for for like a seasoned horror uh, viewer and horror fan. It's it was like a little much for me where I was like, all right, like how much more of this shit? Like you get like when even just talking about Tommy the the shitty jock, they were like. He, he's a douchebag, and he's a drunk, and oh, let's make him racist on top of it. And I was like, we're going for the fucking trifecta of douchebaggery on this guy. And he gets his real quick, which is great. But I was like, I can't, enough already. It was really weird to me seeing him as, like, a high school jock who was drunk all the time. I thought that was really strange. I think but... that also plays into the date that the film is set in because the drinking age was 18 then so if he's a senior in high school oh i forget that you guys are 18 in high school right okay yeah well, about yeah, yeah i graduated at 17, obviously in, in england then high school is 11 till 16 and then you're out in the world and oh yeah they're like go get him and you're like wait <laughs> i mean so, of course yeah. there's also always underage drinking well yeah but which like, is another trope he was drunk all the time and he looked he looked really like he looked genuinely out of it for the whole movie. Even when he was introduced and he wasn't meant to be drunk, he looked like he was on something. Yeah, he was fucking zonked. He may have just been drunk the whole time and we didn't even realize. Yeah. And, like, there's also, like, nothing else to do in that fucking town, I guess. Another uh, trope. Yeah. <laughs> God. I don't know. And, they had some good drive through movies. Yes. Oh, my God. So, um, that that is so important. Like, uh, a strong female character in uh, a period piece set yes. in the 60s is incredible. And I was like, good, great. I, I love Stella. I, I, I'm i looking forward to seeing her going on. Like, just her. I don't really care about the movie, but, like, she her, comes her in character is with, very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, just armed with horror knowledge. She's got posters of all the classics in her room. I want to live in that room. Like, yeah. I, the, the 13-year-old's room from the fucking <laughs> 60s. I was like, wow. I was like, that was my teenage room. And I was so, like, I, I said in my head, I'm so proud of her. And I was like, what? Why am I proud of this She's random doing character? It. Yeah. But it, it it's really nice to have the 
female character be really into horror and like genuinely into horror and not because her friends are because her friends weren't that interested she just on her own grew horror knowledge and i feel like girls get a lot of like crap from people for following what guys they've been with or guys they want to impress like rather than people understanding that some girls just really like that stuff which is like was was really cool i love watching the script get flipped a little bit when she starts talking to Ramon about it, and he's like, "Holy that night shit, of the Living Dead!" Yeah, mm. and it it was like, "Oh my god!" Like she cares about this stuff, and like that is that's so important. And like even for like little girls, like not like little girls, but young women yeah. going to see see this movie, this is like, I guess it for the the crowd that's too young to see it. Yeah, totally. I felt that a lot throughout the movie because it is stylistically a lot like. It was shot, the most recent film yes, of it. Yes, yes. Um, and I just, I enjoyed the way that this was presented a little bit more. I feel like this has scarier characters, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, personally, I just don't find the new Pennywise scary. Um, I don't think, I think I would let my kids watch the new It, but I wouldn't let them watch the old It straight away because I think... Tim Curry's Pennywise is more terrifying. Yeah, well, di- different types of scary. I mean, uh, considering watching it as a kid, if you're going to watch Tim Curry's, you have a character who is more clown than monster, which breeds that idea of, like, this is somebody who is dangerous to a child and could exist in real life. That's what I find more terrifying. Whereas the most recent Pennywise oh, yeah. is more monster than clown and a little bit more unbelievable, unrealistic. Yeah, we get that oversaturation yeah. of monsters in, in, not even in horror, just in, like, general media so, like, spooky clown that'll take you away while using your greatest fear against you is a lot scarier than, like, oh, just another run-of-the-mill monster, big, sharp teeth. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think, like, they did a really good job with taking the um, illustrations from the book and making them into the monsters in this film. Yeah. I thought the way that they did the makeup on the ones that they did do the makeup on was incredible. Don't look at me like that. I'm always looking over there. <laughs> That's some other thing. But, and I think that they chose some good, I mean, I haven't read all of the scary stories in the dark. I've read a few of them. Um, but I feel like the ones that they did take were really interesting ones, apart from, what was the one that was after Ramon? Oh, the Hadley Doodly Man or whatever? <laughs> the Jangly Man. That one in the books is so shitty. See, well, it was shitty in the film. No, no, it was so cool. It seemed like it was the one that was featured the most, and it bothered me a lot. So, the jangly man, I don't know, like, yeah, I might be blurring lines here, but... He's the Heidi Doty Walker. Yeah. But, is that two different stories? Because in Me Tai Doty Walker... Oh, but yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. He, it's just the head falls and then a scream. It's a campfire story. Yeah. You get somebody else to do the scream. So it's a campfire story that's terrifying. You have everybody oh, on the edge of their seat. That and makes more sense in. to me now. Because, like, in, in the scary stories to tell in the dark, when you're reading it by yourself, it's just the head falls down and then the, his dog it just dies. Says, ah. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is also how the chapters are labeled in Scary Stories <laughs> yes. to Tell in the Dark. It's ah, ah, and ah. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that in the book it's just the head falls and then ah. So does... Well, the dog dies. Oh, okay. I'm glad they didn't put that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a dog, dog. and then he just kind of disappears. Yeah, he runs. He runs away. I'm going to believe that. Right? Yeah, he's a clever dog. That's what I'm going to believe. Don't protect the humans. Run, dog. (laughs) Um, 
So but is, is the Jangly Man a separate story? Is no, that where the continuation comes from? I don't know. I just... It may have been, because uh, produced and uh, story by Guillermo del Toro, he could just be a creature of del Toro's oh, creation. What? Because del Toro is great at creating monsters. You don't like his, his spooky fall apart and like twisty? I did like that. I, I thought that was very cool. I didn't like it, and I didn't understand the purpose of it being there, and it just kept going, you coward. And it's like, yeah, we've already established the whole coward thing. Like, is that all you do is just scream you coward and run after him in weird positions and I just like I know you explained the whole like CGI blah 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 but it it looked so out of place next to the practical makeup monsters compared to that it just looked like it didn't belong in the film I mean like like I was saying the other night, all of them were done practically. Guillermo del Toro, any of his sets, he does as much practical as he can, and then he layers CG on top of yeah, it. Yeah, they're to all sculpted it. out. They're no, all physical pieces. I understand that, but he, it's it's like he just doubled up or tripled up on the CGI layering over that one. Yeah, because there's like a lot of like looks, there's a lot of shine. Yeah, it, and it well, it's rainy and he's juicy. It's a sort of CGI that will completely outdate the movie, like. I don't think so. It, it I don't think it's enough. It didn't look in place. It looked like it belonged in Goosebumps. I am inclined to agree with Anthony about that they they are all done practically, and that's fucking awesome. Like, they're all pieces that are carved out, and actors are physically wearing them. But it it is very over-CGI because of his unnatural movements. Like, they, there are performers out there that are contortionists that uh, can very clearly do movements, but it was just like the addition of him twisting all the way to make him look like extra unnatural yeah. is, is where the, the CGI layering is just like gook but I've at seen, that point. I, I saw like one of the making of like tiny clips and they had one of the actors, you know, contorting in that way and walking backwards and, you know, like the whole like possessed Reagan walk sort of thing. Um, so I'm aware that the actors can do those sort of movements but I felt like those movements on their own are more terrifying than having his head twist around and things like that yeah I wish they just they put him in the suit and use CGI to enhance the actor's already uh, unnatural abilities rather than um, you know here is the actor and then we're just gonna you know do a, a digital swap out here yeah, um, and spinning heads around isn't actually that difficult with practical effects because you know the exorcist I watch a, uh, a YouTube channel, uh, I wish I could fucking plug them here, where it's just they um, they react to, and they're, they're uh, 3D, what are we talking about? CG. See, thank you. <laughs> uh, they're, they're CG artists, um, and they, they work in, in film and TV, and they just, they watch recent movies, and they critique the the bad CG, and I, I, want, I want this episode, I want to hear them talk about this and they they talk about I learned a lot about um, lighting and blending and I, I say a lot but those are all the two things that I know <laughs> but um, so like I want to see what they have to say about this because like I, I wish I had a, a wealth of knowledge into what it takes going into this kind of stuff because yeah. like all I know is that like to my dumb human eyes I'm like that doesn't look right and I don't know why and for like they, they go into depth and I, I thoroughly appreciate it. And it, it helps coming into stuff like this. And I'm just like, Ugh, the lighting is weird. It's coming from too many sources. <laughs> and like when you said like he, he glistens a lot, the the Miti Doty Walker. 
um, which is whatever. Um, it was just like a lot, and that that's the only thing I could see. It was like he's so shiny for for so much of it, and it was like it was pulling me out of it. And the part where he is practical, there's a couple moments where he's like standing upright. He looks fucking awesome. Yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. The like literally like one frame later he twists and contorts and it's just like it, you can see like the physical change in, where they were just like they push the CG button maybe and they're like <laughs> I'm sure that's how it's hold done. and they push the button and then the, the scene just kind of does itself or whatever. I mean, my biggest thing here and you guys have said it without saying it this entire time. We see too much of him. With any good monster, yeah. you see too yeah. much of it, and it's going to pull you out of it. You're going to have too much time to sit there and analyze. And we saw this monster the most. We got close-ups, we got tracking shots, we got it all over the map, and there was never a point where like it wasn't clear as day giving us a chance to see this monster. Whereas like every other monster has such a brief moment even the spiders there are a lot of really bad cg spider packs out there but whatever they did for these ones we didn't see them enough for me to judge how these spiders were done all i knew was okay we have a really gross uh spider bite and it just escalates into this massive disgusting thing and then suddenly there are thousands of spiders and i am terrified for this girl they did a great job that her um with the the big swollen boil Ugh. was done practically but looks awesome yeah um after it explodes out uh, you only see it just very very briefly but it also done practically looks fucking great um i got very yucked out spiders are take it or leave it they're not great um hey <laughs> what i was jealous of her because she was covered in spiders for a hot second Oh, I mean, just the the, <laughs> the CG. The CG oh, spiders. okay, right. Um, and the the CG cockroaches on Harold the the scarecrow. I was like, every time they saw him, he had cockroaches crawling on him, and I was like, same bad cockroach, get him out of there. Just <laughs> yeah. just loom on him for a second. But they did a good thing with that, where anytime a cockroach appeared from an orifice, they would have the physical component stretch. So oh, like yeah. when it popped mm. out of the eye, it's like okay, like the eye kind of fluttered. It gives it the air of life. So. I wasn't so concerned with anything like that. But the, the point being, we only saw it for a second. As yeah. much as they returned to it, we saw it for a second. Any of the creatures, they're a glimpse. We can't stare at them too much and really pick them apart. I actually wanted to see more of the uh, the toe. Yes. Woman. That is the, the, the one iconic image that I think to me, because I think she was on the cover of one of the early... or uh, I don't re- think the cover, but it's one of the first images in, I think, book one. It's also yeah. one of the largest, because I think it's just her face, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Horrifying. Um, I and I, lo- I love what they did with her, uh, to the point, like, when I heard this movie was coming out, that was the one that stuck out to me. I almost couldn't look at her uh, in, in, when we saw the movie, because it just it shot me right back to reading this book as a kid, and being like, I don't like the way that she looks. <laughs> Because she's horrid. She's a, a corpse. She's very clearly rotten away. Hang on. I thought that I was doing this independently of what we were talking about today, but is her toe still belong to her? Is that her toe rightfully hers? Well, she she claims it to be her toe. Interesting. But the thing is, there was other, uh, there was other body parts in that stew as well. Were they all hers? I didn't get a good look. I mean, she, she was missing an eye, and there was an eye in there, so I would assume. I didn't know. Apparently, she just really likes her toe. I would ask for my eye back rather than my toe, but you know. I mean, sight is good, but like you need your toe to balance. It's hard. It's you'll have. Yeah, she's all wobbling around yeah, and shit. Well, she's she's gonna be wobbly anyway. She's half right. <laughs> it looked like 
Clyde Barrow of, her of silhouette Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Fantastic though. I'm sorry? Her silhouette, like at oh, the end yeah. of the, the hallway. That I was, was like, like no no no, don't image. don't show her, please, no. And then when they finally do, I like I sunk so deep into my seat. Done very well. Uh portrayed by uh Javier Baudet. Uh he, he is um the other non Doug Jones long boy. He plays every I I touched on him once before. Um Every like horror movie long boy that um, that you can think of, he's my fucking favorite because he's he's six six and he's just like lanky. I always assume everyone is Doc Jones, uh, but like, he it's pretty instantly. safe to assume usually, yeah. especially in a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was um, the the emaciated woman in the Wreck um, oh, trilogy. Shit. He was Mama in Mama. Uh, every ghost in Crimson Peak. He was the crooked man in the, the Conjuring Two. That image is the most haunting image of Wreck. Yep. Oh, the ghosts yeah. from Crimson Peak are some of my absolute favorites. Crimson Peak is probably my favorite ghost story movie. Yeah, we we talked about it in, yeah. in the Ghost Stories episode. <laughs> so good, and that that's Javier Baudet. It was almost the same scene as Wreck. Actually, now I think about it, exactly the same. The the hallway and then this lanky character coming out is like, oh, and, it gives me goosebumps. And it even does like the drag away, which yeah is the like the iconic scene from Wreck. But anyway, yeah. you know, if he's got one move, he's very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he just the the way his body moves is so he's very gaunt and I was gonna say awful looking, but like uh, he does it on purpose. He makes himself <laughs> horrid in his posture. And him as the the toeless corpse woman, unreal. I I loved her. I I want to go see it again just because I want to actually like look at it this time. Now that I know what's coming, I was for real too scared to to look, <laughs> which never happens to me. I mean, that's one of the things I loved about this because it is while it is that goosebumps element. Goosebumps is more all audience friendly. And this, like, if you read scary stories to tell in the dark and you're a kid and you were not scarred by those images, you're a goddamn champion, let's be real. But um, to see those brought to life the way that they were is horrifying. And, like, there were a lot of kids in that audience. Yeah, there was, like, five-year-olds running around. Like, we got, like, a late showing, too, which was fucking weird. We were in at, like, yeah. 9.30 or something. I think that's, that's way too young to bring them into something like that, personally. But... I mean, I can't talk. I was watching stuff like that when I was a kid, but... Yeah, and look how we turned out. We're fine. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I also don't want to traumatize my kids. I'd like them to be gently weaned into it so they enjoy it. I don't know. I think everybody is always up for a good ghost story. You gotta scare them young. You gotta, like, these stories don't contain anything in the books or the film that is, like, super graphic and, like hard to stomach it's more just it's something that's going to leave you chills you're going to have a few scarring images um but it's that horror that lingers that's why it's good Mm -hmm. that's why they're done in the campfire story style so you can tell them and you can tell them with a little bit of a difference here and there you can make them your own but in the end it's the same story and it's gonna come back to haunt you because you're gonna hear it over and over from different people it's like they said in the film uh, the more we tell the stories, the more real they become, and all these stories have been told over and over again. And like I, I like that, and uh, the intent of like coming in, getting 
getting scared by this kind of thing and then chasing that feeling and wanting to to see more of stuff like this is, is great like and that's that's where i come from like i got scared way too little and then got like hooked on that feeling of being scared but i never got over how much i, I, I hate being scared um but that's what really bothered me about this though like the the one thing that i think stuck out the most to me is it's very jump scare reliant which is i i think uh a little bit far removed from uh, Del Toro's past works. Far okay. removed from Del Toro's past works and slightly removed from the books. Mitai Doty Walker is a jump scare piece. Yeah, I understand that. But and like when you're going and you're saying like talking about like the campfire thing and you're getting like the ha and that's the fun part. Yeah. But like so there was so much of that in this and like not enough of like a lingering sort of um, dread. Like even when. Um, Chuck is in the basement, and the that the round woman, the pale woman, pale the woman. round woman. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's rude to comment on a girl's weight. Uh, um, I'm not think that was a girl. It was just a creature. She's the pale woman. Know. Okay. Credited as such. Wife of the pale man in Pan's Labyrinth. Oh. Aw, cute couple. Um. <laughs> Somebody draw fan art. I ship it. I ship it so hard. <laughs> so like that. <laughs> had the potential for for it to be a very tense moment but i was just like yeah it's really taken out by how silly she looked um well that's the and thing she, she has him. <laughs> I was like, oh she's just gonna cuddle him. <laughs> like baymax she cuddled it's him like to death. that um like john wayne gacy said there's a safety in roundness um did he say that? Yes, that's, that's why pogo has all angled sharp features sharp features even though he's round um, but <laughs> he says there's a safety in roundness. And when you think of like a lot of other clowns and stuff, they have those rounded features. But um, there's that element of she almost looks friendly. I mean, she's, she's almost got, like matronly. Yeah. Take care of me. Hug me to death. She's just like, she's got that wide grin and those like, like almost like they're soulless eyes, but they're kind of kind. Yeah. Uh, she looks like she means no harm. And even in the story, she gives him a warning. This is a cursed place. Um, she sort of reminds me of a Teletubby, which kind of scares me the most. <laughs> Teletubby's <laughs> terrifying. But it's that fear that this creature with these very safe attributes of warning and like, okay, it doesn't look threatening. It's moving very slowly. Uh, is inescapable now. Mm -hmm. So there is a a sense of dread and fear that comes with that. And I did like that when they were cutting to all the different hallways that she was down, there were active cuts and time to watch her walk rather than it being a jump scare. She's right in front of you. It built up to that. I feel like that one was earned. But even with the jump scares, like I'm not usually a fan of jump scares, but I felt quite a few of them were built up really well. Like, I was almost like, I really want the jump scare now. Can you just, like, yeah, like get the, the tension relief. over? Um, yeah. There were a couple like that, but, like, even, like, the fucking first one. Where Harold. Chuck, not even where Chuck scares Augie when they're in the house for the first time. Oh. I was, like, I literally, I audibly went, ugh. Because yeah. I was like, am I going to get a bunch of these where, like, there's no buildup and then just, like, a cheap one? Where they, they get you for the sake of getting you. Yeah, and then when the audience, like, chuckle because they've all jumped and you know, I just don't like that. Um, with Harold, though, I felt like that wasn't built up enough. No, and Harold is a lingering story. And I think he was the most beautiful out of any of them. Like, because they clo- they did, like, close-ups on the mask. 
And I just thought that mask was so well constructed and it looked like flesh. It looked like it had just been peeled off person and just put on a scarecrow. And I, but it also looked like it was animated even when it was supposed to be dead. Mm. I almost wish like he and the, the jangly man were, were switched in, Exposure. in screen time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, like Harold was so, so fun. And I, his clanky, very slow, deliberate scarecrow movements were even down to the creaking of the wood when yeah, he moves. Yeah, he was so mm-hmm. great. Very well done. I, I love the the creature design but almost across the board on this one. Even even Walker is interesting to a degree. Yeah, because it, it all comes from the source material. I mean, they definitely did not steer us wrong there. We got the live-action versions of these illustrations that have haunted us for 20-some-odd years now. Ooh, I just, you, just thinking about that again gave me goosebumps. Fuck. I think Sarah was kind of weak. Totally forgot about her. Yeah. Totally forgot. <laughs> I that kind of bothered me. I mean, I she just it looked like a Halloween makeup to me almost. Oh, appearance wise. Yeah, because yeah. okay, I really like. No, her. I, I loved that story. Um, but when we see her at the end, I'm like, it's it was just too obvious that it was just a person in makeup meant to look like a ghost. And then when she first appears, it's almost like haunted mansion style. Yeah, like with, Effects. with like the overlay. Yeah. She was a little cheesy. Yeah. I do love the fake out at the end where you like where they they trick into thinking that everything's gonna be okay, and then there's like a chord change in the music, and then she yells. Yeah. yeah. I was because I, I don't know. I, I knew it was gonna happen. I was like, oh, she's gonna flip. She's gonna flip. Something's gonna happen. And then it happened. I was like, yeah. But it it, it elicited a very good reaction. I still jumped. It was it was very fun. Yeah, because they built it up nicely. Eh? I mean, it yeah. is effectively still a jump scare. It's a scream from the building of tension, but at least they built us into it. We have this moment where we're waiting for a response, anything at all, and then we sure as shit Yeah, get I was it. like almost leaning in, like physically in my seat, as much as I can, because I'm so far reclined. <laughs> but it very, very good moment. I, I, I also, I agree. I, I wish she looked better. Mm. Um, they do, they talk about like how she does have some form of albinism, um, but I just like she. She looked like a person like dressed up for Halloween, right? Like you said, and it just like. I I think I've seen, much better in in other in other films and other media. I just think coming from witnessing the ghosts of Crimson Peak and knowing what Guillermo del Toro's production quality and style can produce for a ghost, and getting hit with that. Um, I get it. It does fit the bill for what Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is versus Crimson Peak, but there's no reason that a Crimson Peak-style ghost wouldn't have fit in the same world. Yeah. It almost felt like Del Toro was a part-time producer on this. Yes. There's some parts where I'm like, oh, that's so Del Toro. And there's some parts where I'm like, would he ever approve that? And... It just confused me a lot. I get that same feeling. There's like there were a lot of hands on this one. Yeah. Um, which like it, it worked out in its favor. A lot you got a lot of like unique ideas all coming together to put something together. Um, but there, um, the director I can't pronounce his last name because there's an O with a slash through it. <laughs> I anybody know how to pronounce that? Uh, but it's Andre Overdahl. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. Um, 
Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter and also... Um, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Two Thank films you. I absolutely adore. Yes. I haven't seen Jane Doe, but... Jane Doe um, I've recommended on the podcast. Troll I know Hunter that for sure. is, is incredible. Um, so, like, I, I love his, the way um, that he he directs film. Uh, I You can very, very clearly see his influence in here. And I, I wonder, like, where... Not necessarily, like, the power struggle was, but the difference in... Um, in in final say when it comes to certain things like that, whether it's a, di- a directorial choice or it's a, a producer's choice, and I I feel like they got uh, you know a, a fair amount into it, but like some of them are very clear cut uh, clear cut one way or another. But um, the the Del Toro stuff is very clearly him, and I will always cherish like one his creature design and his execution, Definitely. and it may just not have been a good fit uh, to, to somebody along the line, the, the Crimson Peak style ghosts. And maybe they were just like, you know, this is the way that I want to see it. And, you know, if you can't respect that, then I'm sorry, but I'm Andre Overdahl. <laughs> but it almost doesn't feel like his work either, because, I mean, I'm just speaking from Troll Hunter, like, yeah. things were just perfect. And there were times <laughs> that, like, the troll was almost real. And... When I heard the name Troll Hunter, I was like, this is going to be fantastic because it's going to be hilarious. And then I watched it. It was one of those like trick movies where they want you to think that it's really silly. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, my God, I nearly cried. Like Hobo of a Shotgun or oh, yeah, holy shit. Um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Like fantastic films with really stupid names. Really? Yeah. Have you not seen Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? No. It's, I saw the other one. It's Fighting actually really good. Zombies. I actually oh, cried. I need to see that. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> I cried at both Hobo Shotgun and Abraham. Oh, Shotgun was fucking Vampire awesome. Hunter. Oh my god, that made me cry so much at the end. Didn't make a lot of money. I'm honestly not surprised. I mean... Why? As good as it was, and I really, really like this movie, um, it's a horror movie that came out in the middle of August, and the main thing that it had going for it is that it's got a guaranteed audience of those of us that read scary stories to tell in the dark when we were younger. But... When you compare the market of people who read scary stories to tell in the dark versus the people who read something like Goosebumps, it's astronomically different. Yeah, but also I would have thought that even if you hadn't read scary stories and you would want to see this just like from trailers in the horror community. Yeah, there were like like, a, a lot of like younger people there, like much younger than us. And this movie came out last week and mm-hmm. we were hard-pressed to get seats. It was packed. Yeah. And we were at a late showing too on a fucking on a tuesday night is that a abnormal uh a budget of 28 million uh right now with international ticket sales 25.8 in in revenue i mean not great for an opening weekend because you always want to make back but still not bad because it's just under budget right now and it's the first week of its run so i've got hope for it i think it's going to do better in um sales after the fact i think after the fact being like when it's released to dvd and blu-ray i guess but like you will always want you you want like box office sales yeah absolutely and like the this team that like went into making this movie like seeing them at this point like almost like almost a week in now taking a loss on this is like it feels weird to me because like some of the movies that like are in the the filmographies of these directors, producers, and uh, uh, other people involved in the film. Like, 
some of my favorites, really awesome stuff. But like a lot of my favorite horror didn't perform well at the box office. But this isn't, I guess, as timeless as some of that stuff. And it's just like it still feels kind of weird that it's not making as big an impact as you know I had expected it to. I was because I felt like everybody was talking about this. It was like between the last two weeks, it was like oh everybody was talking about La Llorona, Midsummer, and Scary Stories to Peep Pants too, and I not a good reaction to this yeah i i definitely agree there especially after guillermo del toro's win for uh shape Shape of of water Water. i mean people are clamoring for guillermo del toro work and i don't know i i don't understand where that missed the mark like i get crimson peak was probably the last guillermo del toro film that i can think of that didn't perform exceptionally well in the box office and for crimson peak i completely understand that it was bad marketing that film was not marketed well at all it was marketed as a cut and dry horror film when very clearly even from script to screen guillermo del toro says this is a story with ghosts in it not a ghost story but really if we weren't in the horror community then would we have seen more than one trailer for this i think so it's been all over my facebook feed yeah but, but is that because you because follow horror stuff yeah, yeah that's what i mean well, i've been seeing like a lot of i almost said like regular folk um <laughs> posting about this but it's very it's all memes it's very memeable is what people are doing with this movie and i don't know if it's that like the generation that i come from that uh, i'm friends with people that are like goofing on this movie but yeah, I to the point where I didn't even realize that like even some of these memes were from this movie. There's um there was one with like the pale woman just like at the end of the hallway, and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Like I want to follow up on that. So I guess like you are right. Like it did win me over. But from like the the volume of people that are talking about this, I wonder how much of that are is like people that have actually seen the movie, or just like clips and trailers and stuff. Because like. I, again, like not enough people, I think, are, are properly drawing attention to and, and talking about it as a film. I don't know anyone personally who has seen it apart from the three of us. Yeah. And, I mean, the Very only reason weird. we missed opening weekend was because we were away. But otherwise, we would have been there. Actually, I've had no one talk about it online since it came out that's seen it. Yeah, so what the fuck is up, Internet? This movie was kind of okay. Give it a I fucking chance. I thought it was great, despite oh, the great. fact that I've just torn it to pieces. I thought it was great. I will maybe watch it one more time, but I'm not gonna like pull it out every Halloween. I am. <sighs> I, I would am like 100%. to watch it again, and it's like with Midsummer when we were like, "Oh, did we miss this? Oh, we don't care. We don't want to see it again." No, I'm good. With on that. this, like, I'm like, I feel like I missed something, and I'd like to look at it again at least. It's pretty. It's yeah. a pretty movie. Yeah, it's it's shot very well. And I, it's it's bookended very nicely by the inclusion of uh, Lana Del Rey's cover of Season of the Witch. Oh, I which love it. I, it w- was beautiful and haunting. Um, Lana Del Rey just makes me feel extra spooky. So like, for she's her great. She's like secretly Witch. spooky. Yeah. Also, uh, a little bit older than I thought, and also a little bit more involved with Guillermo del Toro than I expected. They're like what? pals. Yeah. Yeah, they hang Did out. You know, I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah, they're like buddies. He was like, "You have to come into my film." I don't. That I'm was always a convinced that Lana Del Rey is a ghost. 
She might be. Like, I swear. She sounds like a ghost. She very, She looks like well a ghost. Be. Like, she's perfect. I love her. At least it wasn't a guy that was hot this week. Yeah. Doza, I, who's your hot guy of the week? I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Everyone in this film is was kids. Kids. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's true. The, the cop and the dad. It was Harold. Harold, Harold could fucking was the hot get guy it. this week. He thick. <laughs> <laughs> that waistline. <laughs> You're the worst. It's transparent. <laughs> Speaking um, of characters in the film, no, no hot boys this week to be ex- exceptionally clear. I like the <laughs> inclusion of a uh, of Ramon as a character being uh, Mexican. Which is, is it's fun. I love I love horror inclusion and Guillermo del Toro as a Mexican director producer. Um, it just like I was like, yeah, I'm not Mexican, but I am Hispanic, so I was like, yeah, we got one. <laughs> and just like I, lo- I love Ramon as a character from the get go. I um, his inclusion in the in the story is, is vague up until he becomes a proper character because it. Um, it almost opens with him like uh, on the road and traveling, and you're like, "Oh, who's this mysterious fellow?" And right off the bat, yeah, there's the racist sheriff who's like, "You, you know where you're going, son?" Like almost as if to be like, "You're not from around here. Keep on moving." But also, who was a kid on his own? Yeah, but like, oh, different time. Yeah. Oh, I suppose so. Th- yeah. That's like the the the, pr- the prime age of latchkey kids. Like, even these like young kids like out like all hours of the night just like well let him fucking go i was like such that kid like to go out and play and if you're home for dinner that would be awesome wow i never heard that i had to be home by five every day by five yeah. a.m p.m oh <laughs> worse um and so like i just um part of me wants to believe that like he is suspicious of ramon being a draft dodger um, because he's just like young guy on the road and like that does, uh, pique his suspicions, but then it goes further into his story and his interactions with the sheriff. And it's just like, he is racist, which fucking sucks. Um, but not inaccurate. I, I guess. <laughs> um, but he, Ramon, like is, is seeing not a living dead by himself at the drive in. And I was just like, Oh, like I that's I would love to fucking do that. Just like a take a me night and go to the drive-in and and see one of my my favorite horror movies of all time. And I wish we still had drive-ins. There's like yeah. a handful left in the U.S. I would love to to go to one. I remember the last time I, I saw one was when I saw Jurassic Park Two. I'm sorry, a, a Lost World Jurassic Park. There is no Jurassic Park Two. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> But, like, from the get-go, like, I just, like, I love Ramon's character. I, I, um, immediately, like, latched onto him. And I was like, please let nothing bad happen to this boy. He's just, like, trying his best. And, oh, we, we didn't, like, talk about, like, the relationships between the characters at all. I almost, it, it's very, like, it parallel. Yes. In the, uh, but also in the fact that in it and scary stories, the, all these characters are tropes. Yes. They are your stock characters. They're the Commedia dell'arte of horror, and for August to be a Commedia dell'arte character for Halloween, yeah, he's very low. Yeah. That made me love him. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was like hit or miss with Augie because, like, I, I get it. Like, he's he's skeptical and he's very logical, and he goes about his life 
um, as almost an, an opposite to Chuck, who is like they're almost like the id, the ego, and the super ego. Hang on, I'm cracking the fucking code here. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but then when he starts getting like. I don't know, annoying about it, and he's, like, not heeding their warnings, and he's like, that's a fucking book, and they're very clearly pleading with him, which is another trope where it's like, please, you don't understand, something shitty's happening, and he's like, yeah, 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 it's, it's a, just a story, and then something bad happens to him. Um, so, like, when he got got, I almost was, like, kind of stoked about that, and I was like, yeah, yeah, get rid of him, I'll, I'll wait with you. Uh, but then we got left with Chuck, who I hated from the the moment he was on screen is it because chuck and i are the same person yeah uh-huh. no. but i also like I, I can at least like i sit here and do the podcast with you like i can stand the way that you talk but but the way like like chuck presents himself uh, he just went through the entire movie talking like he was like either like congested or always asking a question where he was just like he had no idea like where he is or what was going on it was like almost like he was high the whole time i just like it was insufferable listening to him. I think it's hard to play the like comedy. I've been doing it my whole yeah. life. No, but like out of those friendship groups in films, whoever is the funny or supposed to be the funny one is always the most annoying one that you want to be killed first. And but he they didn't. He lingered for it, so long. Yeah, but the thing is that they did have moments with him and his sister where you warmed up to him because yeah. he let down that guard of trying to be funny to be caring. We got his home dynamic. We yeah. got who he is who he is with his friends and who he is when he's not with his friends. And I really appreciated that in terms of giving this stock character a little bit more than stock. But I feel like they did that with all of them because they all had like the regular tropes of like the sort of geek squad and the funny one and the logical one and the really cool one, which I'm assuming is Stella. Um, of course. Because, you know. Um, but they... It's not Ramon in the leather jacket who drives the cool car. No, he wasn't cool. He was, he was just there. <laughs> He's just the um, older one that can yeah. drive. He's their chauffeur at best. But I, f- I felt like rather than just going stereotypical with them, they gave them a lot of depth. I felt like August was the only one who didn't really get as much depth. He got, like, a smidge of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt that August was the only one who you didn't get to know more in depth. I mean, you heard the conversation quickly on the phone with uh, his mum about his stepdad and not calling him dad and things like that. And I thought, okay, they're going to start giving him some backstory. But, but then he kind of went away. Um, so they didn't really get a chance there. But... Stella, I felt like even without the story about her mum, she was already a fully developed character just from us being able to see things like her room and talking about her writing in the beginning and her saying, like, them saying, why haven't you put your writing up? You're so good at it. And she's like, yeah, but then school's going to eat me alive. Yeah. And from that, you can sort of tell that she's already having issues in school with, like, bullying and things like that. Um, But I thought the backstory about her mum was really good because it gave this really realistic moment with her on the phone to her dad. Oh my god. I really like and that. And that was that was actually kind of heart-wrenching because her dad obviously thought she was going to do something stupid. 
and that she was going to kill herself or something. That's what I read from that conversation, that that's what he was thinking was happening, which is why he kept Look, saying, it's not your with, fault. I think I'm going to die. Yeah. I don't want you to think I'm leaving you. I'm not leaving you like mom did. Yeah, and if I disappear, then, like, I'm sorry. Um, but it, it, it was such good reactions from both of them. And I mean, he's an amazing actor. Uh, I can't remember his Dean name right Norris. now. There we go. Uh, and he's in Starship Troopers. Um, Whoa, what? Yeah, he's one of the commanding officers. You're kidding. Yeah. I know him from Breaking Bad. He was in T2 as well. But oh. he, yeah, I think he's an amazing actor. Because uh, he's usually in really cheesy movies. But that was like the first really like in-depth acting moment of the whole film. Yeah, he was, was great. Oh, this is just heartbreaking. Like Even in Breaking Bad, he was kind of like a caricature of uh, a police officer, whatever he was doing. I haven't seen Breaking Bad, but it's good. I hear, hear it's very good. I liked the the fact that Stella's story is a contrasting parallel to Sarah's story, making them the fitting components to continue each other's stories. Um, and they both play out like a standard ghost story. They're both haunted. Uh, Stella is always going to be haunted by her mother's lack of presence, and that family is always going to have that ghost in their house of, we want to know more, but we never will. Um and Sarah Bellow's story is that whole house is haunted because of how family treats one another. Um, and, and how much she knows. It's the needs and wants of the spirit. There's something more lurking beneath both of their stories that brings them together. Oh, yo, real quick, though. How fucking cool was it that she actually went back in time and lived out? Yeah. Sarabella's life, yeah. Unreal. That was so cool. When Ramon found her glasses, I was like, because, like, I I thought it was, like, a... Haunted house trope. They're, they're sort of, like, displaced from one another, and they're just, like, in a different plane, but having her, like, literally be back in time, and when he finds her glasses, I, like, a chill went up my spine. I was like, oh, like, not only, like, is she experiencing this from Sarah's perspective, like, she literally is Sarah in whenever the time it was uh 18 18 whatever. something um i thought i thought that was just like so cool probably my favorite shot in in the film it's not even like a, a outside of like the jack-o'-lantern placement at the very top of the film just like these minute things were like that's what the, that's what this movie was to me like, yeah. so beautiful so perfect i love a good haunted house i love the elaborate detail that they go into the secret corridors like this is everything a haunted house is it almost reminded me of whipstaff manor from casper yes um (laughs) like the whole way that this was shot feels like casper and every one of those timeless halloween films like it feels more like a halloween film than a horror film but there's more to scare you in something like this than in something like goosebumps or casper yeah i expected it to be much much lighter than it was yeah just from the opening alone uh up until stella um does the lipstick across her neck went for her costume i was like oh that was the moment where the switch flipped and i was like yeah that's what we're in for it's not just your here's your witch costume here's your witch costume plus your dark take yeah yeah i also think that there is a there's an underlying threat to being stuck back in time for Stella um, which makes it that much scarier rather than her being displaced which is kind of where 
August and Chuck end up. They're really displaced from this reality. They were taken by these spirits to somewhere that is no longer in this plane. We don't have confirmation that they're dead, which is why Stella carries on. But Stella is in our reality in a time before her own, and the fact that her glasses, before she even drops them, are found and crushed, which later happens in her timeline, is that threatening sense that she could potentially not come back from this. This could be our permanent death of the film. Yeah, I was like, I was so absolutely crushed. I was like, no, don't, please don't take her away. She's like the shining light in, in this film right now. Um, although I hate the way her story wraps up because it's very, very cheesy, very, very quick after this like super intense finale chapter where she's talking about uh, what they're going to do, uh, like, well, what she's going to do um, to bring her friends back. And then she corrects herself and says, we. And then she does, like, a turn, and then the camera pans, and Chuck's sister is in the back seat. It was like, what a, what a corny reveal. Yeah. But that's, like, that's that setup for sequels that I'm worried about, because we already end on a really high kitsch note so her collection of stories that she's obviously going to undertake in the potential sequel it just is already haunted by that kitsch that yeah that's what i'm saying like it's it was it was cheesy already we got a nice little wrap up like it sucks that those kids didn't come back but you know life goes on which is like stella's whole arc is you know my mom was gone but life goes on i feel bad about saying that now um but then having it be like but there's hope! Just like it, it was too too much. Yeah. This could have left off on a really eerie note of completely unknown whether or not we're ever going to see Chuck in August yeah, again. Yeah, ambiguity is great in a situation like that. It's the same deal with the Mitai Doty Walker. The less we know, the better. I can't believe you remember that phrase. You just said it and I can't repeat it. Mitai Doty Walker. The dog even says it. Me title to Walker? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I don't know what it means. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, Mr. Jangles. It, it, I, um, there was an interview with the uh, the director, and they were like, hey, what's up with the Me to Doty Walker? And he was like, yeah, well, you know, we don't really know what it means, but, uh, and he goes on to say that it, uh, the head itself, when it was removed from the body, from which it was once attached uh, in like the original lore or in like his mind like where this head came from it was like the sign on the side of a cement truck and that was like some of the words that it could made out could make out because some of it was obscured and then at the end he kind of goes yeah but I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> a really weird explanation especially since Meatai Doty Walker is another one of those uh, that stems back to a fairy tale um, it stems back From to... Ireland and the Doolahan? Close. Oh, wow. that, I mean, Ireland and the Doolahan would be a good parallel, except the Doolahan, we never really learn much about their heads. Um, but there's a German folk story uh, about a man who is exceptionally brave, but not good at anything else. So... Oh, that's Don Quixote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um... So he's exceptionally brave, but he's not good at anything else. 
Uh, so his father is like, well, why don't you make money by being brave? If you stay in the haunted castle for three nights without coming home, you can have my entire fortune. Um, and so he stays the first night and there's the, literally the entirety of the Mitai Dodi Walker story where Where the head falls from the the, chimney. And that's Mitai Dodi Walker, everybody. And you said Germany? Yeah. You're telling me that Michi Doty Walker is not from Ireland. <laughs> no. Why does it sound like that? I have no idea. Because That's where I'm like so perplexed, <laughs> and clearly so is the director. We clearly need to do some research on what these words are. We might be summoning this fucking eldritch being by saying its name so many Don't times. Don't do that to me. That is, uh, I got like real yucked out on the way home last night. I drove home so fast because I was like, ah, he's here. Ah. I definitely want to grab this on DVD when it comes out. I definitely want to add it to my collection of, Uh, like, annual Halloween movies. Um, Doza, maybe, though, instead of seeing this again, please watch Trick or Treat. Yes. Yeah, of course I'm going to. (laughs) If you don't like Trick or Treat, then you can't be part of the podcast anymore. I don't know if that's how that works. That's how it works. I'm leaving, then. Wait, if I don't like Trick or Treat, then we're both... I can't be on no, the podcast. No, no, you, st- you can stay <laughs> so on the podcast. podcast is just going to be me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're allowed to not like it. I just I, You're putting <laughs> words it, in my it, mouth. It, and... it would be foolish to, to not like it. Can we just <laughs> let Dosa watch it and enjoy it as okay, he probably will? fine. I'm, like, stressed out about this stuff. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I was your saying... own opinion. <laughs> Why don't you? I, I can't think of anything else to cover with this movie. Go out and see it while it's still in theaters. If you wanna. No, just do it. Oh, fuck. I All feel right, like we please. take opposite roles than we did on <laughs> Midsummer, and I don't like that. Oh, yeah. Well, we're allowed to form our own opinions, according to Anna, apparently. Yeah. Everyone's free to do so. I've said it before it shall be done. Yeah, let's wrap up. Alright, so you guys want your fear of the day? Yes. Um, I figured we would skip it this time. Oh, I don't think so. Is it scary stories? Alright. Graphophobia is the first one. Fear of being in 8th grade. No. I did a lot of math with graphs. Graphophobia? Um, Graphophobia. How's it spelled? G-R-A-P-H-O-phobia. Mm. Fear of excess. No. Fear of... Scarecrows? Nope. <laughs> it's gonna be something shitty and we're gonna be mad. Fear of graphs. No. Fear of giraffes. No. Oh, fuck. I'm out. Fear of... <laughs> Fear of different opinions. No. <laughs> Give it. Tell us. Graphophobia is the fear of handwriting. Oh. Oh, like calligraphy. Yeah. What do they do when they get an invitation? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to be at your wedding. And the second one is nauseophobia. Spell it. G-N-O-S-I-O-phobia. From the get-go, that that got me real bad. Is the root word Gnostic? Uh, probably. 
You ask me these things like I know country of origin and root word. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, have, I have too much faith in you. Is it fear of friendship? No. It's the fear of forces beyond your own. No. Fuck. Tell. It's the fear of knowledge. Oh. Nauseophobia. Yeah, forces beyond your own. Knowledge is power. I nailed it. All right. I'm putting this one on my I'm board. I'm giving you a half point. Half point. I hope you guys are keeping track of your own points, because I am not. Oh. We can just go back. I'm winning. <laughs> um, so we're going to do some recommendations. Ooh, Anna says as if she has a recommendation ready. Yeah, I actually do this time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cut to right before recording the podcast. Like, Anna, you got a recommendation? Oh, fuck. (laughs) It's because I don't have my DVDs here, so I can't, like, look through my collection quickly. Um, But my recommendation, uh, because they're always, my recommendations are always linked very heavily to what we're discussing, and I think that's very clever. Um, (laughs) I'm not a pen for something. I'm very clever. I am very clever. Um, <laughs> it's the accent. It fools everyone. Um, my recommendation is something that everyone has probably or hopefully seen already anyway. I feel like you um, preface every one of your recommendations with that. Well, well we ju- you just used the same voice clip of her saying that the first time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it over. Uh, so my recommendation is Monster Squad, which is an amazing 80s movie. Um... It's kind of like the Goonies go and meet Universal Monster characters. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's very cute. And it's about friendship and monsters. So very related to this. Yeah, it might as well have been like a Goonies spinoff. I, I love the way that the Universal Monsters are portrayed in this movie. I think yeah. best iteration of Gilman by far. Oh, Frankenstein's monster is so cute. And he makes friends with the little girl instead of pushing her in the lake. (laughs) Well, that was a nice redemption story. I want to talk about something real quick. Everybody says Frankenstein's monster, but Frankenstein's monster's name is also Frankenstein. Well, yeah. Yeah. I only say it so that people don't send me messages. I don't care how people say it, because technically, he's the creature. Named Frankenstein. Yeah, in in the modern Prometheus. in, In the book... He's referred to as the creature. But he also refers to himself. He has uh, this whole monologue where he's talking about... uh, I was talking to Evan about this because I was screaming about Frankenstein. Because I just watched Van Helsing. Mm -hmm. And Van Helsing is the best iteration of film werewolves. They're so fun. I really liked Van Helsing. It's good. Oh, guys. (laughs) So in the modern Prometheus, the the creature talks about how... uh, Because... Uh, Dr. Frankenstein is his creator and thus his father is not the the son of a father ha- uh, also a Frankenstein so he's like he calls himself Frankenstein he claims it for his own so when people are like yeah it's Frankenstein's monster you can go fucking suck an egg yeah and he's, he's only this Frankenstein he's credited as the monster at the end of the movie and what about um, the bride of Frankenstein yeah exactly like it's not Victor Frankenstein's bride. It's not meant for him. It's it's meant for Frankenstein. I got. I smell an episode coming on. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. The only reason I say Frankenstein's monster now is because I'm just sick of people trying to correct me. Um. So to everyone who I was trying to appease before, go suck a fuck. 
<laughs> Tell me, Anna, how exactly does one suck a fuck? Don't, we're not doing this. <laughs> um, don't. My recommendation, you guys gotta hear me out on this one. It's <laughs> one of my Halloween tradition movies. It's not a horror movie. It's a Nickelodeon original. Don't do this. It's called Fun Size. And I'll tell you what, it is a ton of fun. I don't it's know just what like, It's this movie that takes place on Halloween, and it's your typical, like, trick-or-treaters and, like, wanting to go out and have fun and, like, the choice between going to the party or having your responsibilities. And so, like, this girl is babysitting and she loses the kids. She's got to go out on Halloween and find this kid and all the Halloween stuff that happens in between. I I love this movie. It's one of my favorite Halloween movies. Like, Halloween specifically and not a horror film. All right, I'll give it to you. I have, I have like the creeping fear that we did we recommend mine or did we just talk about it? What? You haven't recommended anything yet. Monster Party. Oh, we. I don't think we've. I don't know if we've recommended it or if we've talked about it. I don't think we've given Monster Party enough credit. Yeah, I so... I'd like to officially go on the record to to say that because uh, Monster Party I just saw for the first time with you guys like last year. Which one's Monster Party? Oh, wait. Are we talking what? about Monster Club? God, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking, what are we talking about? I got I got so caught up in Monster Squad. And we did already recommend it, but... We did? Yeah. Fuck me. It was probably Anna. It, it was. Of course it was Anna. <laughs> it's Vincent Price. Yeah. Shit. My bad. Now I, for the first time ever, I'm out. Now you're me. Now you have to scramble for a recommendation. Think. Hey, I, like, I like everything. You know what I'm not going to recommend? What? Horror anthology-wise? Tales from the Hood 2. Okay. Tales from the Did Hood you recommend the was vi- It was good. I like Tales from the Hood. There is some real creepy imagery in that. And, like, it's a good series of stories. It's a lot of nice vignettes. It's not really tied together very well, but it's fun. And Tales from the Hood 2 is fucking garbage. And they're making a third one. What about Fright Show? Fright Show? You know Fright Show? No. Uh, okay. Do you know Fright Show? Yes, because it came out on my birthday. Well, in, in 1985. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it Fright Night? No, it's, it's called Fright Show. Um, so, um, when I was... My favorite horror movie of all time which I've probably said on this podcast a couple times, and it's always a different movie, is The Thing. And so, like, because uh, John Carpenter's The Thing was based on The Thing from uh, Another World in the 50s. And so I wanted to see, like, what other iterations of The Thing was out there. So I was, like, searching just, like, The Thing, horror. And um, the, th- the Thing in the Basement came up, but it was, like, um, The Thing, and then in parentheses, In the Basement... Uh, in my search so like i was just like downloading movies like just to like see and i realized it was part of an anthology called fright show uh it's not great (laughs) but nobody ever talks about it it's just it's very fun um there uh it's the kind of horror anthology that i don't usually like where it uh there are segments that they cut away to but it's genuinely like hosted in such a way where it's like, here we are presenting, and then there's there's four shorts, and it's just like it's fun, um, very cheesy, campy '80s horror. Um, 
So that's going to do it for us this time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hauntsville Cryptcast. And just a quick heads up, we're on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud now. So if you have a special preference and you're on one of the other ones, feel free to move over. I'm Doza. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. I'll see you in hell. <laughs>